And I am back with the legend, Dominic Moore. Welcome back to the Life Alchemy podcast, where we help you transmute your life into something more incredible. I'd love to ask you a question. So I know it was about a week ago now we we spent a night on um, Melbourne streets. And yeah, had a had an had an experience where we experienced. I know for myself personally, it's a whole range of emotions. Uh, you know, definitely went through the whole lot of elements uh, yeah. in experience. So just to be clear as well, we it was a cold winter night, and we went into the CBD with just the clothes on our backs, and we spent a night kind of just exploring and also just yeah we, we had a little bit of sleep on the cement in the middle of the city to have that experience too and just explore what was there for us as well and i yeah i definitely got a lot out of it um it was very interesting i just wanted to give some context ready very Excellent. i would love to hear your question yeah no thank you for the context i sometimes like skip ahead being <laughs> well you know what you're talking get about. to the juicy pieces yeah. <laughs> i appreciate it uh, so exploring like the theme of presence, what was a few of, yeah, just describing your experience of how present you became and what were the elements of that night that allowed that presence to come up? Cause I know it was something that we did talk about a lot, but I'd just like mm. to hear from your experience. Mm, totally. So I would begin saying that I'm thinking now that life is really an awareness practice. Mm. And we get more from our experiences, whatever they are, by being more and more and more aware. And I think to be more aware of subtleties, subtle shifts in, in your mental landscape, in your physiology, in how you feel, you think, and you know your experience you need you need to be very present and i think that i'm finding that the more aware i become of everything the more i enjoy my life and that's directly related to how deeply i can become present and how frequently i'm becoming deeply present mm. and overall i'm finding the practice of being super present as often as possible incredible there were really two moments that really stuck out to me as a real example of kind of, yeah, that depth of presence and how much I was getting out of the present moment due to how present I was with it. I'm going to talk about, yeah, so one that we did a few times, we were interacting with people. We were filming some stuff. You were just asking people some experiences that they'd had and kind of the goal was to challenge ourselves to connect, which was great. And... A thing, again, which you have shown me was the incredible awareness you can have of kind of your own sort of energy and how that affects the energy of another person and how what energy you bring and how you are as you interact with someone and having awareness of how that affects who they are and how they feel. And I, and I really love this. And to kind of tap into how someone is, this, their emotional state, their, their overall energy levels, like it's hard to describe this in words, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, 
and to have awareness of that is really, really beautiful. So a thing for me was, yeah, in those moments when we were interacting and grounding down and being super present with how I felt, by kind of bouncing that back and mirroring that off other people helps me understand my own state more. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like this like table tent, like a ping pong match where you're bouncing your awareness back and forth almost. And as you, you say something, you stand differently, you increase or decrease your own energetic state and then see how that shifts the other person. If you're really aware, these tiny subtle things that you do, they have an effect on the other person that you can feel. And then as they change in relation to that, that changes their energy and then it changes yours again. And then you analyze that and, and you do that in real time while also having a conversation about the weather or whatever it is. Mm. And this is an awesome practice that you can really, really go deep in. And it's incredible. And one of, it's one of the things that the more time I spend there, the more rewarding it is. And yeah, it's an awareness practice and a presence practice. And yeah, I find it awesome. And I mean, you introduced me to this. So maybe before I tell the other one, I'd love to hear about some of your experiences with this too and maybe what it's taught you and what you've learned from, from doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is probably like one of the, the strongest levels of personal development, especially with my fascination with communication, just going out there, meeting strangers and opening yourself to, to those experiences have, have really had a major impact in who, who I've been, who, who I, who I am now, but also who I continuously am because I'm continuously putting myself in those situations. Like, I think it's a, it's an exercise which just keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. So my first really introduction to this was when I decided to do a, a public speech in the middle of Brisbane. So I've always had a fear of public speaking. I had it in my goals for I a long time. I would never have guessed that. <laughs> and yeah, this is going back three to four years ago. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And got one of my mates and I was like, you know, super nervous trying to write this one minute inspirational clip and into the middle of Brisbane in super crowded square and jumped up on a post and ranted my lungs out for a minute while sweating profusely from my underarm. Yeah, that's like an awesome challenge. <laughs> and it was upon completing this that... I think I was lucky enough to have the awareness and the friend, my, my best mate, and my brother were there and they, they definitely were massive in terms of like, they were like, oh my goodness, like that was amazing. Like, sure, the speech wasn't very inspirational. Sure, I was nervous as anything. My legs were shaking. My, you know, my words didn't come out straight. Yet their support allowed me to see and feel what that experience gave me. Mm. And... I've noticed that from there, it's been a catalyst of doing multiple things on my own, but then doing multiple excursions with others, meeting new people and really seeing how I react on an interaction scale. Because for me, interaction is 
like whether you're an outgoing person or a really quiet person, the the quality of your interactions with others really determines for me the quality of your life. Yeah, so. and and as well, I think you know from that, as you said, that also reflects on your quality of your interaction with yourself. Correct. Yes, I'm. That's an amazing point to make, and I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I have learned is that it has allowed me to better and better every day express my truth and be comfortable expressing my truth. Mm. This is coming a lot, coming up a lot. And I'm seeing from our conversation that it's something that you seem to really value and derive a lot of your own personal value from is kind of the degree to which you are yourself. Yes. And that's super beautiful. And I appreciate you for even making the distinction within you what it is that you value because whatever we value whatever we see in others that we go that's great we want it that's what we choose to emulate more of and that's what we become greater at and better at mm -hmm. and so again i was speaking to i really had the most incredible chat with one of my people as we were talking about going into their limiting beliefs and the thing that they valued the most was this awareness was mm -hmm. awareness of their own actions and how their actions affected others and the thing they respected most was the more that other people were aware yes and therefore that's what they emulated and i think it can be really valuable to get clear on what you see in others that you respect the most because that's aligned with what you value and therefore what you can and will find most rewarding to become mm. yeah that's really, really good point Something that sparks to my mind when you say that, which has really been another really powerful concept that I have learned from interacting a lot, is the difference between looking up to someone versus respecting someone. Mm. I suppose the way that I'm saying looking up to someone is putting people on a pedestal. 100%. How damaging that can be to your own identity because suddenly you tie anybody that you put on a pedestal, whether it's your boss, whether it's an influential person, whether it's someone within your industry, the more of a pedestal that you put them on, you are seeing their uniquenesses as your end goal. And you're also separating yourself from them by saying they're great because they're all the way over here and I'm all the way down here. You're creating that distance between who there's a part of them that you want to be. And the higher you put that pedestal, the further away you then see yourself from whatever you want, which is terrible for your esteem. Yeah. And I think the more that I interact and the more that I put myself outside my comfort zone, you just realize that every single human has the same fears, the same problems, the same hardships. And at a deep level, we all want to connect. And I think too, I have this feeling, and it's almost impossible to test because it's so uniquely personal and private, but I think that we all sort of see ourselves deep inside as kind of broken, kind of flawed. Mm. Like that I, I have a hunch that everyone, and I certainly have, carry, have carried this, mm. that there's just something wrong with me, <laughs> that I'm not like other people. And I think that's because we're the only one who knows us who's gone inside us deeply and seen and, and knows what's in there. And it, once you kind of come face to face with all the parts of you, 
based on your standards, there will be parts that you go, oh, God, no one can ever see that. <laughs> mm. And we feel some shame around that and some judgment. Yeah. And then, of course, no one shares the bits that they're really ashamed of that they don't want because, of course, they don't. They don't want to acknowledge that. And then I think then that a reason that connection can be so valued is because it's like being accepted and it helps make it easier for us to accept those parts of us. Yeah. Perhaps. This is my theory. Mm. 100%. I think the more the more that you get used to expressing, I'm coming back to the same topic, but expressing that truth, you, you, I, I suppose true expression, if you're willing to get past a few people that will think you weird and different and take it to a, to a consistency where you can own it, people will respect you back. So I think this is really important too, and something that you, you might be a bit of an expert on as well is, yeah, as you put yourself out there, I think it's important to put yourself out there. I think there's so much growth there to do something that kind of challenges you and that you're a bit afraid of. Mm. And really that's, you know, you might put yourself out there by, yeah, doing some cartwheels down a busy street, or you might put yourself out there just by, you know, making a phone call or sending a message or sitting quietly with your thoughts, if that's really fucking scary. Mm. Um, a big barrier that we often create in order, in the way of putting ourselves out there is fear of judgment of other people. Mm. And I've got some stuff I could say on this, obviously, but I'd love to hear what you think about letting, let's say, fear of judgment affect your actions. Because you do some wacky stuff. And mm. I'm sure that there would be a part of you that would be like, oh, I might get judged for this. Mm. I would say form form a tribe of people who've got you back regardless. Mm, I really like that. Because if you don't do that first, it's a lonely road. And to me, what's the point of doing it on your own? Like there's eight, billion beautiful humans on this planet and I've never cross, come across a human that's like uh, I prefer to do it on my own I mean sure there's some who like solitude more but they will always love the person to connect on their interests mm. so for me like I know that I wouldn't be in the position now if I didn't have many friends and some sure haven't kept going with my wackiness because you know they've, they've reached the level of, <laughs> um, i'm you, good i'm good yeah. you keep <laughs> but each of them have given me a gift of being there for me in different stages of my growth and putting myself out there that without that support no i, w I wouldn't be where i am now so i think it's important to to realize the power of finding those people so that when you do continuously push that comfort zone, you've got those to to have the joy, to feel, to understand on the level what you're going through. I think it's very interesting that you say that, and it makes me acknowledge that for a long time, and clearly I learned this from somewhere, was that I viewed it as more... 
I won't even say more noble to do it alone, but weak to do it with support or something ridiculous like that, like a total, mm. which is a so, totally unhelpful set of beliefs. Mm. But from that place, I'd really romanticize this idea of there's value and joy to be found in the pursuit of personal challenge for mm. yourself and no one else. Mm. And it helped me unlock a lot of things and I achieved some really great stuff. But at the end of the day, yeah, the question comes back to for what? You know, who am I doing this for? And if I'm doing it for myself, is pushing myself constantly to challenge myself further the most compassionate way that I can be with myself? Maybe not. Mm. And it brings a question as well, which is the question I've done a lot of the times is why? Yeah. Why do I feel the need to do it? Because I know on a true level of like, if I'm really seeking that fulfillment, that like, that sense of like, wow. That wow comes from when I share a moment with someone. It yeah. truly comes like if I share it with someone, like it's even like when I know like when I'm a kid and I, you know, I learned to do backflips when I was like 10 years old, I'd do it. Even if I did it on my own, the first thing I'd be like pelting inside. I'm like, mom, yeah, mom, yeah. mom, mom. <laughs> like it's in our core to share. And so, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I totally relate to needing or having that that sense of i've got to do this on my own and i think for me personally it's come from a place of i've got to prove it to myself first yeah i can share it with others yet i think that's it mm. it's like a self-worth thing you know this is yeah it's mm. like it, it almost makes me less satisfied it used to make me less satisfied with something if i had somehow been helped along the way i felt i allowed it to rob me of my own achievement, mm. which is so interesting. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of what I've been working on quite recently has been reclaiming that aspect of my personal power by receiving help, feeling great about it. And yeah, man, I'm enjoying things more. I'm, I'm achieving more with less. I'm being more present and having I'm being more fulfilled. And I'm losing a lot of that judgment that I was carrying that I've, and I, I can go deep into where I learned that, mm. but, I, but I also, I'm saying that to say that I acquired that belief mm. society and my life and conditions are where this belief that something's less valuable. If I did it alone, I don't believe that I was born with that. That is something that I developed in response to things, which yes. maybe at a time therefore was valuable, but, yeah, no longer. And I think I really think this is a really common theme. I think a lot of people probably carry that some, that same set of beliefs, and it's definitely right to be rid of. <laughs> yeah. mm, cool. Well, I might jump back as well. The other thing that I really enjoyed from that night that we spent. Yes. Another thing that got me to that deep presence was. The expectation that we'd built up around it, and this is something we talked about a lot at the start, was you called me the day before, you're like, hey, Jack, I've got this wacky idea. It's going to be uncomfortable. And like, I've, of course, I said yes to it. But um, then we started planning it and like, okay, how do we do this? What do we need? And, and it became a thing. We created yes. a thing of it. Yep. As if it was like a, 
I don't know, an event or a birthday party or whatever, but it, it was just being. <laughs> and we're like, okay, how are we going to be? Like, I'm so pumped. We'll meet, I'll meet you at nine o'clock and then we'll go somewhere and we'll just be. <laughs> That's sort of what it became. And yeah. We're like, okay, how are we going to do it? Oh, we'll just be authentic and in the moment. Oh, like we planned it so much. You know, the planning was kind of silly because there was nothing to plan because it was just <laughs> being there. Yeah. And then suddenly it was happening. And we were just sitting there like, oh, well, this is it. It's the time when we had allocated that we would begin the thing. And the thing was to just be deeply present. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like a weird amount of expectation that we'd built up made the experience so much greater. And the experience was challenging ourselves to see how deeply we can connect to the present moment. Yeah. And because we'd built it up so much, then when it came, we were like, let's go. Let's connect to the present moment. Ah! <laughs> I mean, it didn't have that, like, you know, frantic energy, but that's, it was just high magnitude. It was. And that meant, yeah, we were just sitting, we, we sat down, we got into the CBD, and we just sat on that bench looking at that river for, like, I don't know, I think a lot of time passed. Yeah, I have I have no awareness, but we were just so in awe. Like it was a moment of Satori of just connection and just presence and it sort of set the scene and that became like the baseline minimum of expectation of engagement with the present moment. Mm. And once we'd set that level, then it was like, Okay, let's go to this part of the city and let's interact with these people from this place of extremely deep engagement to the moment. Mm. Is that a good summary of your experience? Or Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because th- it was I, just weird, right? We were just remarking on how strange it was. Yeah, and I think, like, we went into it to explore an experience and to see how we felt. Like, there yes. was a goal... Yet in the moment, we let go of that goal. And I, I know with a lot of other goals, which you put pressure on yourself mm-hmm. to achieve because of an external force, I think in that situation, we just let go of every external force. There was no one looking at us. There was no one staring at us. There was no society. There was no roof. There was no who we had to be. It was just like time to experience. And I think <laughs> in the days leading after that, I was like, how can I bring that? And I definitely have brought it to a new level of, okay, I plan and I set a goal and then immerse yourself. Like, and again, like for me, it's that curiosity. Cause like that night, everything was new. There was newness. Everything we were curious about, we're like, where is this going to lead? What is this going to do? And went on a journey without necessarily continuously focusing on the bullseye. Like it was like, I, I see as ourselves, like we, we aimed the arrow, we let go, yet we didn't try to like knock the arrow the whole time it was on its flight to the journey. We just was let it, it fly. Like, I can't even remember what the goal was. I think, you know, uh, I think the goal was to do the thing. Was to experience. And I think yeah. that's what it's about. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think that the goal <laughs> was to do the thing and then as it happened, we were currently doing it. We were trying to work out, okay, how, how can we do this really well? Because we have our standards, both of us. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, when the goal is to be. Yeah, it was really interesting. Mm. Really, really interesting. And I wonder if there's even some value in like once a month or once a fortnight just scheduling, you know, with a friend. Hey, let's catch up. And between 6 and 11, we're going to be. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Like, like, I've got a challenge for you. Let's be as much as we can. And just... <laughs> 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 Could be a great yeah, practice. Sweet. Yep. Melbourne. Done. Great. <laughs> so why don't you tell me... Pardon. I'm thinking... Um, can you tell me a little bit more about Melbourne Connect Events, why you created it, and... Yeah, what it's a, what it means to you. Why is it so valuable? You've made this beautiful group, Melbourne Connect Events. Why? So, I've had a couple of like online businesses, and I've been a lot into the the marketing aspects of things, and. My, my long-term mission is to create a set of schools, schools where it's a learning center from zero to a hundred and beyond where <laughs> is able to teach each other and learn lessons. I've learned lessons, as I said, from Dr. Bruce Lipton, who from kids, I watch a kid who is two years old and I learn things every single moment of every single day. So this Melbourne connect events is really the start of a lifelong mission for me to create a community within Melbourne like nowhere else on this planet. I find that a lot of communities, especially say, for instance, on a large scale city, there's hundreds of communities with their own new unique set of values. What I plan to do with this is to bring all of those together and show how you can bring what's unique yet create something truly fucking special together. Mm. That's what this is the start of. It's the start of a community that gives back and has a common goal to help the planet to connect on a deep level and be the first city to really come together on a massive, massive scale. Absolutely beautiful. And so if people want to get involved, really, you just want people to con connect. There's no obligation. You don't, you know, you just want people to, to just be with you and just connect with you and connect with other people. That's... That's it, right? percent <laughs> yeah. I think there's just so much joy I see from people connecting that it is my lifelong mission. That's why I've dived into communication and I will continue to keep going with that, that journey of breaking down communication. Super beautiful. Amazing. Well, before we wrap up, I did want to ask, because I still haven't yet, so last episode, we touched on some exercises you did to connect through the elements of earth, water, fire, and air. Could you go into a bit more detail on what the specific exercises which you did were? Oh, we touched on this. You know, We said that you can do anything in different ways. And for me, that might mean I interpret that as you know I could do a breathwork technique for five minutes, and yep. I can approach that with a flowing approach, or I can see how grounded and present I can be and that's more mm. of the air or I can be really focused while doing the same technique but I think there's okay. probably more to it yeah and I think the the more simple the frameworks the more you get out of it so mm. a framework that I can share which is like my stage one would be I have four 
particular songs that I use that bring out those energies. Mm. So um, I can actually link that in the description below if you'd like to have Man, that. that would be incredible. That would be great. If you'd love to share that, that would be awesome. And how I like to experience on first is through physical. We experience everything through a physical scale. So if we can create a physical representation of what earth, water, fire, and air is, I find that we can connect to it and understand it on a mental and spiritual scale even better. So the first one is about listening to the song and it's really just about touching. So you, whether you're grabbing your arms, your face, your legs in a really grounded manner. So I normally like to be on all fours because it gives me more level of expression. And I think of expressing myself as a root of a tree of care for myself. It's slow, slow, like parental almost hold on yourself. And it's like allowing yourself to slow down. You notice your, your hands moving slowly on different parts of your body and you literally allow yourself to slow down. So that's number one in grounding. The second is water. So using your hands to flow over your body and create a movement within your body through your shoulders, through your hips, where you just create this like continuous flow. And using your hands to flow over, you might writhe around on the floor a little bit and just for the whole length of the song, just creating a beautiful flow within your system, a flow within your breath, a flow within like your hip joints, your knees, and just focusing on just like letting go yeah, it sounds like a lot of surrender. Correct. Water is massively around surrender. Mm. Then fire is about like passion, like grabbing yourself, <laughs> like grabbing your legs, grabbing your face mm. and really just expressing. You might growl in this moment. You might like let out a shriek, uh, which will release tension that you felt that day. And you might contort your body. You might burst your chest up towards the ceiling and really push the limits of where your body can go to release the tension that's been built up. And then lastly, into air is where you might just really softly, like just your fingertips, just touching your skin over your entire body and really just moving as slow as you can, allowing your body just to feel like how much it can feel from just the touch of your pinky on your kneecap and how you can get so much sensation from that by just noticing. Extremely beautiful. That's great. Thank so, you for sharing. That's super cool. Yeah. So it's really a, a, an inner body experience, but if you allow your mind to just float and be in that state as well, you'll, you'll finish that exercise really refreshed oh, i'm sure most powerful way to put it now, i've got like a couple more questions about this to be quick so the other thing that i want to know then is i mean i know from experience how incredible an exercise like that is i haven't done exactly that and i absolutely will mm -hmm. i'm guessing as with almost all of these things you tend to get the most value by doing it consistently so it's you know, everyday kind of thing usually feels really great. And mm -hmm. where you, you know, because it's a practice. You're developing the practice. Yes. But something that I'm, I love these exercises. They give me so much. But as I encourage other people to try them, there's so much resistance there because it's weird. 
you know, and they may not want to shriek or they may not want to, even if they close their door, they may not want to roll around or do these things. How do you approach helping people through that initial resistance when we both know how much gold there is on the other side? I think it definitely comes down to people being ready for it. Right. Like, you can... They've got to want it? Yeah, I mean, like, you, the old old expression, like, you can lead a, lead a horse to water, but yet you can't make it drink. Uh, and I think this comes down to... I think for me, I used to take it personally when people didn't want to try things, yet living a life myself now, it's like I'll help the people that I'm meant to help. I'm not meant to help everyone. Not everyone is going to need my unique talents or not everyone is ready in that moment, and that's just the journey that they're on. So I just believe that as long as I express my truth and – tune into my intuition because it really comes down to intuition to share it. If you share it from a place of truth, the people who are meant to do that exercise will do it. Okay. That's absolutely perfect answer. And it helps me a lot actually, because I've seen, you know, I see where they're at and I go, oh, if you just did this thing, it would be so transformative for you. Oh. Um, and I really wanted that for them, but you're right. And so really thank you for making that distinction. And I think when, when you come at it from a point of view of not caring so much, it puts a lot less pressure on them as well. I know I used to put a lot of pressure on is the key. Well, it's not yeah. really. It's an amazing exercise. It's like an amazing chocolate you might eat. Right? You're like, I really want you to experience this. If you don't experience this, it's not really going to make a difference. There's many other chocolates out there. Same time, like I've noticed the more that I've been that less pressure and that less need for them to do it, the more they do it. Mm -hmm. Of course. Mm. Amazing. Well, it's been a total pleasure. While I've been chatting, I've taken all these notes and all these other things that I would love to have picked your brain about. I think we'll have to do this again if you'd like to. I've got all these other questions for you. We'll wrap up now as well. Uh, episode number two with their man, Dominic Moore. Thanks again. One more time, if people have loved hearing you talk, hearing what you're about, where can they find out more? Where can they connect? At Melbourne Connects, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks so much for having me, Jack, and Life Alchemy. And um, <laughs> podcast out later. It's been an absolute pleasure. And just as well, if you ever want to cut, touch in with me, connect with me, yes, it's jack.lifealchemy on Instagram or lifealchemy.com on YouTube. Dom, thanks again. I hope you have an incredible rest of the day. I have great confidence you will. And I'll see you soon. Big love and hugs. All right. Have an awesome one. Thanks. And thanks everyone for listening.